Winnipeg Jets have had a rough couple of days dealing with the sudden resignation of Paul Maurice. The NHL as a whole, meantime, has had a rough week because COVID-19 has decided to mess things up again. Should the season be paused and what happens once we get out of the Christmas break? Episode 299 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. And after years of very promising success as Winnipeg Jets coach, uh, Paul Maurice has stepped away, Brett. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with that. I think that's like the only like hockey hockey news that we have today. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, uh, the Jets... Uh, head coach Paul Maurice, who I think he was at that point or when before he stepped down, was the longest um, tenured coach um, in the league. I don't even know who's the most tenured coach now. But, I, think that, I think he was in the middle of his ninth season at the time. Yeah, yeah, because I think they were saying that like he was the head coach for a very, very long time, and I guess that makes sense because like just Chevy Chevy Day off. Del, I can't. Shovel day off. Shovel day off, uh, is notorious for not like making a ton of moves and stuff, and that includes their coach. So, uh, Dave Lowry is now the new head coach for them. Um, and uh, fun fact, he's actually Adam Lowry's son or father. Father, <laughs> that would be that would be funny. Um, and Look, I am your father. <laughs> Like a head, your son is your your head coach, um, and I am the captain now. <laughs> I mean, I am the coach now. Right, right. Uh, Paul Maurice says that it's not like um, it's it's not anything like there's no family issues, there's nothing like that, or there's nothing that's going to come up. Um, but he just said that he felt like the um, uh, there needs to be a new voice in the the locker room. And, and that's why he does it. It's kind of a strange way to resign, but, and I wonder if there's more to it, but at the same time, the Jets have been kind of floundering, floundering lately. Um, and yeah, I I guess this makes sense or this seems to be the right call for them. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I guess it's the, it's a good move, but, um, but it is strange that he stepped down this way. It is very strange, but man, I, I applaud a man when he's thinking team first, even as he's stepping out the door, like the saying that the team needs a new voice. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure most coaches would be convinced in their abilities to get their way out of sticky situations and that they're confident that they can get the job done. And Paul Maurice for whatever reason, just takes a step back and says, am I the right voice that this team needs right now? And, I mean, you could argue uh, the Jets maybe could have used a different voice behind the bench because they're. It, it seems like they're a team where they win five in a row and then they lose three in a row and it's up and down inconsistencies uh, throughout the lineup. 
but they still have a pretty good team. They've been able to get years of, in their eyes, unparalleled success. Like the success of the Winnipeg Jets in the past three, four, five years since the 2017-18 season when they made it to the conference finals against Vegas, that was basically the start of a consistent playoff team in Winnipeg. And the original Winnipeg Jets didn't have too much of that towards the end of uh, their stay in Winnipeg uh, before they moved to Arizona. And the Atlanta franchise, before they moved to Winnipeg, they made the playoffs once and got swept when they got there. Uh, by the New York Rangers, and I think it was 2007 when it happened. Um, so for a guy that's been very well-traveled around the league, coaching the Hartford uh, Carolina franchise at a very young age, and then going to Toronto, and then going back to Carolina for another lengthy stay, and then going to Winnipeg, and finding forms of success everywhere he went, it's definitely um, a decision that took me by surprise when I first heard the news. I'm thinking, really? Why, why would he walk away from that? Um, as for the replacement, Dave Lowry, um, not really sure of his NHL coaching experience at the moment. It's pretty limited, but I do remember he coached uh, Team Canada at the World Junior stage. So he's obviously been somewhat comfortable at coaching the biggest stage. He's relied upon to coach in those big moments, and he's gotten some of the result uh, some positive results out of the teams that he's coached um i don't think the team would be um i, I don't think the team would be comfortable in this decision if they had uh, second thoughts or doubts um you know given uh, that his son plays on the team he seems like a fair coach to work for seems like a fair-minded guy they brought him in as assistant coach and um by all accounts, uh, from what I heard, seems to get along with the with the team. It's just interesting uh, how his strategy is going to affect the Winnipeg Jets from a winning perspective. Uh, as for Paul Maurice, maybe just some time away from the game is is what he needs, uh, what he feels that he needs. Um, but we'll see him in the NHL again. There's going to be a franchise that's looking for a Paul Maurice, and when he does make his return to the league. Um, you're you're going to see more success under his resume. Yeah, I wonder if this is kind of like a Daryl Sutter situation where he just, like, because Sutter just took a couple of seasons off and then mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden he was just, um, or I guess he, he took some assistant coaching jobs and then all of a sudden he uh, he just was like, you know what, I'm, I'm back to coaching, uh, being a head coach again. Uh, he is a good coach. I mean, it is interesting, though, because I know that, like, sometimes uh, Jets fans were upset with him because, like, guys like Sammy Niku or, um, like, or just a bunch of their young players, Sammy Niku is the only one that <laughs> I can even think of right now. But uh, Sammy well, Niku is based on the on hype that. that he had that one year, yeah, yeah. is probably the one that sticks out to Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, and he's not even on the team anymore. Um, <laughs> but... But I, I do remember that like there there was always those questions of like oh uh, what's going on with with him I think like Billy oh that's the other one that I, I remember seeing on Twitter recently was Billy Hanola uh, hasn't had a ton of ice time in the pro roster for whatever reason and that was weird too but he was an he was kind of like you know Claude Jul- Julian had that same kind of stuff when he left who was just hardly playing the young guys. But 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, I, to be fair, the Winnipeg Jets are a good team, so it's it's tough to pin it on that particularly. Um, a good team playing in a tough division, arguably yeah. the toughest in hockey as well. And, and it's also like those guys haven't even played hockey, and like they're they're literally prospects. So it's just like it's tough mm-hmm. to really say how good they could be. Um, even the Winnipeg Jets defense isn't like it's below average on the defensive side of things. I, I think we can agree on that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do wonder if maybe he'll he'll be he'll get another coaching job, but maybe once he's ready and decides he's ready. But I would imagine yeah, if 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 there's any indication, like you look at uh, the resume by Paul Maurice yeah. in the playoffs in particular, um, most notably the 2002 run that he made as coach the Hurricanes, the finals. Um, you look at that Carolina Hurricanes team and you go, yeah, did anyone expect them to? even reach the final four, let alone make the finals. And I'm pretty sure he's the coach um, in 2009 when they went to the conference finals and lost to Pittsburgh that year. Again, did anyone expect them upsetting the Bruins in OT of game seven? That was a very good Bruins team they went up against, I think first or second overall in the Eastern conference. And they were still able uh, to, to find a way to win that series. He is a guy that seems to get the most out of his players and take teams farther than probably people expect them to. Yeah, although having said that, currently the Winnipeg Jets are 13-11-5 and five, uh, with a 31 points in uh, 29 games. They're exact. I think if you look at the league Saints, they're exactly in the middle of, of the standings. So it's like they're, they're pretty average right now. And I guess... I guess Paul Maurice does have a point where he's just saying like, okay, I, I think there needs to be a new voice in the thing. So it's like, yeah, he is a good coach, but sometimes you just need to leave and uh, because you, you don't, you kind of don't have the same power as you once did um, in the, in the team. So, so maybe there is something to that. Um, who knows? I mean, like, look at like what Bruce Boudreaux has been able to do for the Canucks right now. Yeah. He hasn't lost yet in Vancouver. Um, so, so maybe there is something to that. And, uh, I, <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets are playing right now, uh, which is funny. And, uh, they're winning three to one against, uh, the St. Louis Blues. So maybe there is something to just changing the coach. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's one thing to change the GM that doesn't really affect the on ice product yeah. or make trades. But when you change the coach, uh, Mark, my thought was saying, um, I think earlier this week, that for whatever reason, um, changing a coach tends to have the biggest dynamic um, on a franchise sometimes. Look at Vancouver. Look what they've done with Boost Brudro. They yeah. were on the outside looking in, and all of a sudden, they're, it's not like their season is alive and they have a chance to make the playoffs, but like there's hope. Yep. There's hope that they can do something and they can, and they can salvage their season. They still have a long way to go. But the way that Boudreaux has uh, tapped into the potential of some of his guys – and the performance of some of those guys leading to wins, um, so, sometimes changing uh, one piece of that team can make a big difference. Yep, yep. All right. So now we get the big news here, and it's it's uh, COVID is back. Um, and, uh, I mean, I guess it never yeah. really left the last two years or three years, but um, it is back in a big way. This has a lot to do with the fact that there's this Omicron variant and it seems to be um 
seems to have an effect on vaccine, uh, even like vaccinated players or vaccinated people. So um, it's just like, I think they're saying this is the fifth wave of the pandemic as a whole, which is just nuts. And it's, it's, it's back to the point where it's like, I, I had trouble like even watching, I mean, partly to do with the fact that the Bruins were one of the teams affected with COVID the most this time around, but I had trouble just watching hockey this week, to be honest, just because I was just like, it feels like there's stuff that's more important to, um, stuff that's more important than, than hockey at the moment. So it is mm-hmm. one of those things where it's just like, uh, just kind of craziness going on. But uh, yeah, so multiple NHL teams have been dealing with COVID. The Bruins, as I mentioned, um, are one of the bigger ones that have been dealing with it. The Flames, the Panthers, the Devils, the Avalanche, and the Wild are probably the biggest uh, teams that have been handling it. But at this point, pretty much every team has at least one player on the COVID protocol list. There's about 100 of these guys. Um, there's a ton of postponements. Um, and, I'll, and I'll get to the COVID list in a second. I do want to mention that it seems like uh, the NHL has already banned uh, considered stoppage of cross-border travel for NHL games prior to Christmas. Um, it seems like a pause is likely, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, and um, and also, according to Elliot Friedman, that the NHL and NHLPA um, have made a state are going to be making a statement soon that they won't be able to g- make the Olympics and all that stuff. So. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit because there is like something that is interesting from what I've read, uh, but but yeah, it doesn't seem like um, it seems like it's official that the Olympics aren't happening uh, with the NHL's involvement again, which I guess it's understandable this time around. Um, so I'm about to read all the players that are currently on protocol. This is according to Sportsnet, so it's a good reliable source. But uh, Steve, I like. I hope you have like a drink in hand or some snack or something because this is going to take a while. Um, I have half a drink. Will that do? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be done by it by then. This point. Do you want? Do you want to spread out to the teams? Uh yeah, yeah. I was just gonna go like alphabetical order and then uh, mention and and then just do it by that way uh, by teams. Um, so. All right, so Arizona, uh, they have, uh, it's Lawson Kraus, Jay Beagle, Alex Galchenyuk. Boston Bruins, as I mentioned, is a big team that's been affected. Uh, Brad Marchand, Craig, Craig Smith, Patrice Bergeron, Jeremy Swayman, Trent Frederick, Anton Bleeth, Oscar Steen, Taylor Hall, and uh, Curtis Lazar are on protocol. Um, there's also a couple of Bruins uh, staff members who are on uh, this list, um, on the Calgary Flames, this is probably the biggest one because this is basically like half the team or maybe even more than half the team. Um, Elias Lindholm, Andrew Mangipani, Brad Richardson, Adam Rizika. Um By the way, forgive me if I mispronounced these <laughs> these names because I think Ruzicka mm-hmm. is, that's not how you pronounce his name. Chris Rizicka, Tan- maybe? Ruzis- yeah. Um, because I remember the Calgary Bruins game recently, and I remember they, they mentioned Ruziska. 
Or Jack Edwards said it in a different way. It was just like, whatever. Do you, also, do you think that's part of where the Bruins might have caught Oh, that's COVID? that's that's definitely how they got it. Um, I think that's, yeah. You're, that, you're pretty it's convinced not, that. It's not even a question, yeah. I mean, because they, they were traveling to, um, I mean, Edmonton. I think Calgary was the first team that they played. I have to look back, but I'm pretty sure the Bruins played Calgary first. And then they went to Edmonton, and then they went to Vancouver. And uh, Edmonton and Vancouver haven't been hit as hard, so I, uh, I imagine it's Calgary. And then the because the Bruins were playing them, then it's like then it transferred over to Edmonton, and then all hell broke loose. Um, anyway. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Virginia. No, no, no. Yeah, who else? No, no, no. That, that's fair, um, and that's a good thing to note. Uh, Chris Tanev. Nikita Zadorov, Milan Lucic, Sean Monaghan, Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Brian Froji, uh, Jonathan, Johnny Goudreau, Eric Goodbranson, Trevor Lewis, Jacob Markstrom, uh, Tyler Pitlick, Daryl Sutter, the head coach, uh, Kirk Miller, who's the associate coach, Ryan Huska, another associate uh, assistant coach, Dylan Dubay, Oliver Shillington, and Michael Backlund. Um, the Flames also have 10 staff members in protocol, so that's a lot of players, a lot of people, clearly. Carolina, uh, Sebastian Ajo, Seth Jarvis, Jordan Stahl, Andre Sveshnikov, Ian Cole, Stephen Lawrence. For Colorado, we have Devin Taze, uh, JT Confer, Andre Burkowski, Kale McCarr, and Darcy Kemper. For Columbus, we have Boone Jenner, Jack Roslevic, and Gabriel Carlson. For Detroit... They have a fair amount of players, too. Um, Robbie Fabry, Michael Rasmussen, um, Giovanni Smith, Carter Rowney, uh, Alex Ndelkovich, Jeff Blaschel. Um, I guess they include the head coaches on this list as well. Yeah. Alex Tangway, who's the assistant coach, and Philip Zadina. Uh, for Edmonton, we have Ryan McLeod, Dave Tippett, Devin Shore, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Duncan Keith, and Jesse Pugliarvi. For Florida, you have Sam Bennett, Radko Gudis, Ryan Lumberg, uh, Brandon Montour, Carter Verhage, um, Aaron Ekblad, and Frank Ritrano. I'm getting like tongue-tied here. Uh, for LA... We're only halfway through the list I know, well. I know, I know. Uh, for LA, Drew Doughty, Cal Peterson, Philip Deneau. For Montreal, uh, Arteri Lekkinen. Uh, for Nashville, you have Ryan Johansson, Mikhail Granlund, uh, Matt Luff, Michael McCarron, Phillips Tomasino, uh, Ben Harper, John Hines, Nick Cousins, D Dan Lambert, um, Todd Richards, Ben Vanderklok, Dan Hynote, and Mark Barrowecki. If uh, Barrowecki, I always mispronounce that. Borjeski. Borjeski. But if you, like, I named a couple of guys that you probably haven't heard of, and that's because those were a bunch of head coaches or um, head coaches there. Uh, for New Jersey, you have uh, Nick Nico Heischer. I believe he was one of the first ones because Nico and yeah. Ryan Graves, who is the next guy here, says here that they they were on protocol on December 11th. So maybe yeah. So it, that seems like unrelated, but related, I guess in a way. So anyways, uh, Nico Heischer, Ryan Graves, Christian Jaros, Jesper Bockfist, and PK Subban. New York Islanders have, just have Matt Barzal. There was a funny uh, thing today, though, because uh, uh, apparently um, someone, <laughs> a media member, asked Barry Trotz, where is 
Matt Barzal because he was taking a trip in Detroit or, or something like that. And, and Barry Trot says, yeah, I have no idea where Matt Barzal is. Um, Did they is, find him? I don't know. It's still unclear. I feel like Matt, Matt Barzal is just lost. The Islanders have no idea where Matt Barzal is. Saving um, Matt Barzal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Home Alone or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's fitting, too, because that, that took place in New York. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, Barzal is the only one in for the island. Uh, Philadelphia has Morgan Frost and Max Willman. Uh, Seattle has Colin Blackwell, although he was diagnosed in December 8th, so that's like a couple of weeks ago. Yanni Gord, Riley Sheehan, Jay Leach, and Jamie Oleksiak. Jay Leach is an assistant coach. Um, St. Louis has Oscar uh, Sundquist, and that's it. Uh, Toronto, Alex Kerfoot, John Tavares, Jason Spezza. Which is funny because he just got his suspension reduced and now he's on COVID protocol. Um, Wayne Simmons, Jack Campbell, TJ Brody, Travis Dermott, uh, Sheldon Keefe, of course, the head coach, and Spencer Carberry, uh, the assistant coach of Vancouver. Should also be mentioned, I think it was like Thursday where it was just Tavares and Kerfoot on there and yeah. now there's like seven or eight people on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vancouver has uh, Luke Shen. Juho Lamico, uh, Brad Hunt, Tucker Pullman, Jason King, who's the assistant coach, Tyler Mott, and Tyler Myers. Um, and then Washington uh, has Garnett Hathaway, although that was in December 6th, um, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Nicholas Backstrom, and TJ Oshie. Uh, so that's, that's the full list. Um, on top of that, aren't there, yeah. I think, Brett, told, you told me on email, eight on-ice officials have yeah. also tested positive slash are in COVID protocol. Yeah, I don't know the exact numbers, but I, I did see somewhere that it was eight, but maybe it's, uh, I, I, I don't know if that's like 100% uh, accurate. But yes, there, there are definitely refs that are also uh, diagnosed with COVID. Um, so and, yeah. it, and it should also be noted before we get any further, heading into this season, in terms of players on NHL rosters, only four were not fully vaccinated. And this outbreak still happened. That's 20 teams affected, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. so that's that's kind of insane. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it is crazy even that they're even playing games right now. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, it seems like they banned the cross-border, um, uh, any cross-border games. So that means, like, any team that's going from Canada to the U.S., um, games have stopped uh, uh, before Christmas starts. Um, there is like a three-day break already, like even before all this stuff, uh, from Christmas Eve to the day after Christmas. Um, oh, there was already something that was involved where there were just were no games played. So I get the sense that team, like the NHL is waiting till like Wednesday um, when there is that break for them to actually have a full pause. However, it's gone insane. <laughs> like, like yeah. So, uh, they, they shouldn't wait till Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just like, like I, I, I get, I guess I understand why they're doing it that way, but it, like if that, if that is what they're doing, but at the same time, it, it seems like, like if you're even deciding considering it and the fact that there's about like 
six or seven teams that are affected by it right now um, or just having like a full outbreak right now, it makes sense to just pause it the whole way. Um, I, I guess I can understand it from the standpoint that they don't want to like postpone too many games because because um, I, I think from what I heard or just from the Olympic discussion, and I guess we'll get into that in a second, but um, was that they, um, the, the, um, was that like, so, because the NHL has already decided to go to the Olympics, um, that the, some arenas have already booked events during that, that time period. So it's not like they can have, they just have two extra weeks or anything like that. Yep. Um, I, I can't confirm here in Ottawa, the Canadian Sire Center that has happened. I think there's yep. uh, concerts planned in January. So, right. Yeah. Right. So, so it's not like it's so easy to reschedule all these games. And I feel like that's, that's a big reason why they've been re- reticent to uh, postpone a ton of games. But at this point, mm-hmm. it's something that they have to do. Um, yeah, it's also just crazy, too, when you think about it, because it's like, yes, where, you know, vaccinations do help and you, you do have a better chance of getting vac- uh, getting um, or just being better than if you were unvaccinated um, or, you know, handling better when, when you're unvaccinated. But that doesn't mean that you can't still get it. Um, and I, th- I think that's like that's been an issue, not just in the, not to get political, but I guess I'm about to get political, but I think that's, that's been the issue. That's the big reason why there is an outbreak here is that people just had been getting so complacent about it and being like, Oh, it's like the COVID's almost over when it's, when it's not, we should still be wearing masks. We should still be doing all this stuff. And also it's like this Omicron Variant. It's lucky that there are some, like you know that the booster has been helping um, defeat this variant, but that doesn't mean that like the next variant could uh, could get stronger than that and uh, defeat this vaccine. Um, so it's it's very possible that um, like maybe eventually like this is getting really dark, but it's, <laughs> it could be eventual that these vaccines just don't don't end up working. Um, so it's, um, so yeah, it's just one of those things that, um, it it feels futile right now, just as a world. And, um, I, I think there are more things that are important than, than sports right now. It's a good distraction, but, um, sports is a good distraction, but, uh, but yeah, it it just means different when it's like, when it's affected your sports, because then it's like, you're no longer distracted. Um, so so yeah, I, I, I guess the NHL should pause the season. Um, I assume you, you feel the same way. They should pause the season. They should pause the second you, you're done listening to this podcast. And the second we're done recording it, like they can't waste a single second longer. They need to do it now. Here in, here in Ottawa, for example, just, just giving you a glimpse in my neck of the woods, okay? So I live in Canada's capital, as you all know. Go Sens. Um... Ottawa was doing pretty good against COVID for a fair bit, and Mm -hmm. they were able to flatten the curve every single time there was another wave of the virus. Slowly but surely, things started to get better. Things were creeping up around, I think it was like 
October, November, things were creeping up to around the 500 active case mark. And that was pretty high for us here in Ottawa. And then the numbers started to gradually go down. Then a couple weeks after it started to go down, it crept back up. And then Omicron happened. We are over 1,200 active cases today. And it's probably more like 1,500 because in three of the past four days, we're talking 300 cases plus of new cases of COVID-19 per day in three of the past four days. It was a, there was a, I think it was New Year's Eve 2020 when there was a case count over 200 and that, and, and in a single day and that was bad. And now we have 300 plus cases in a span of four days, three times it's happened. Like, this is a part of the pandemic where now we have a good chunk of the population with both doses of the vaccine, and yet this virus is still spreading. I fully accepted that it's going to take three doses. It's Two's not enough. It's going to take three to get a leg up on this thing and hopefully beat it once and for all. But this, this pandemic is not done with us yet. It's not going away and it won't go away unless humanity cracks down and unfortunately takes more measures. The businesses have had to been reduced uh, to 50% capacity again. Sucks to see it, but it happens. Uh, schools have gone online, at least post-secondary for the next month. Um, high school students, elementary students, uh, I think the break might be extended, um, by a couple of weeks once Christmas is done. Um, the schools don't want to do that, but they might not have a choice. It, it's, it's just, um, very, very discouraging to see businesses bring back restrictions. But according to new modeling from Ontario's COVID science advisory table, if humanity didn't act as quick as it did, we're looking at 10,000 cases a day by New Year's Eve. Yep. Which is 12 days away. It will 100% get worse if humanity does nothing. And when the Sens are able to play games again, they will have to house 50% capacity. Regardless of who's showing up, Regardless of who you're cheering for, you won't be able to go to the concessions to get food or drinks. You're basically in your seat, can't take your mask off, and you're watching the game from start to finish. You don't leave your seat for a second. Uh, it, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to feel normal to go to hockey games for a while, but it's totally necessary. And if everyone else is cracking down, the NHL needs to do the same because they're putting their players in a very, very tough spot if they keep playing these games and don't get this thing out of control because it will spread. You look at how it's quickly spread in Detroit, in Toronto, um, how it just rampaged through the Flames locker room. Right. Especially in hockey ranks, COVID-19 seems to thrive. There are health experts that are looking at the numbers. They can't understand it, but in hockey ranks – COVID just feasts on that. And the more we allow, you know, fans uh, in the stands and players to enter and leave these buildings, the more they're going to be put at risk, especially in cities where they're housing NBA teams as well. 
like Los Angeles. They're home to the Kings as well as to two NBA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. It's like that at MSG. It's like that at TD Garden. Yeah. Yeah, the NBA and the NFL are also dealing with this, as you said. So it's like, it's, and, and basically it's, it's hitting really hard in New York as well and New Jersey. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much all over the place, not, not just in the NHL. Um, this is also an update here. Sam Gagne, Pooh Suter, and Joe Valino, um, as well as the assistant video coach of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, Jeff Weintraub are put on the uh, COVID protocol list um, and the Red Wings have uh, been shut down at least through the scheduled completion of the holiday break. Um, wow. So, so yeah, they're done uh, before Christmas. Um, on, and, on, and it's also uh, just, just to interject real quick. It's also important to know that last year, it's not like the NHL could pause action for one division. Nope. Because, NHL teams are not just playing their divisional opponents. They're playing other teams within their conference, and they're playing teams out of conference too. So it's even tougher to track where the virus starts and where the virus ends. Yeah, it's it is. Um, yeah, it's a lot easier to slow down the spread when you. I mean, yeah, postponing games help a lot, um, especially now. But it does. Um, but yeah, it's getting to a crazy point when it's like they're not even doing anything. And yeah, you're right because when last time when they would postpone games, it was only affecting eight teams possibly. But uh, yeah, now it seems like you could affect 32 teams uh, because uh, because you know all these teams are all over the place and things like that. So um, so yeah, it does make it a little bit different. Um, and I feel like we're on the verge of like another lockdown, like we were the last, um, you know, last year. Um, and, and that's what people want to avoid is, right. is that, is that L word. Yeah. And I feel like these restrictions are coming in place to make sure that doesn't happen here in Ottawa. The good news is, um, around four to six weeks ago, hospitalizations were over 20, which is a lot. That's not good, but now they're under at least 10. It's like five, six, or seven, something like that, give or take a few. Yep. Which is a lot more favorable because hospitalizations is what really puts a strain on the healthcare system. Yep. And it's avoiding the hospitalizations going up. When the hospitalizations go up, that puts strain on the healthcare system. It puts strain on the nurses and doctors trying to keep everybody well. Because there are patients going to the hospital not dealing with COVID, but other things. And anytime they can't take care of them because they're taking care of someone who has COVID um, and is not in the best condition, that that's where you really start to feel the effects is when the healthcare system is put under strain. Yes. And that's another reason why these healthcare measures are being put in place because they don't want to get to that. Yep. They don't want hospitalizations going up at an alarming rate. Yeah, yeah. Um... Okay, so uh, so I, I believe uh, Canada has already not allowed fans in their in their games. I assume that will eventually be another change that people in the states will uh, or teams in the states will uh, eventually enact as well. Uh, what other changes do we think can be made other than postponing games and just pausing the season um, until things have settled down a bit? 
I can think of two, and they're fairly obvious. The first one, all-star game against Vegas, push it to next year. Don't even play it. Yep. If you're not going to the Olympics, nuke the all-star game. Yep. Vegas can wait another year. There will be hockey in another year. You can play it then. So that's one thing. The other thing, hardcore team bubbles. You go to the practice facility. You're at your hotel. You're at the arena for game time. Anything hockey related, but nothing else. Yeah. And it applies to every single team in the league, not just a select few. It applies to every single team in the league. And you carry that through the rest of the regular season and the rest of the entire playoffs. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Or I don't know. I feel like that's still a little bit too drastic. But I think at the same time, it's like it's kind of already gone pretty crazy already. So. So yeah, it does seem like that that could happen too. I I was thinking like just go back to having taxi squads, um, so that it makes it easier. Because um, yeah, I think it, you, can, you can bring those in too. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, like Edmonton at one point, like I think last last night Edmonton had like, uh, just the like uh just the minimum amount uh to play, uh just enough players to play. Um, and things like that. And, and like, if, if a player tests positive all of a sudden, uh, you can't just bring up a player all of a sudden as well. I mean, I know the AHL had uh, their own issues uh, a few months back, so... Which um, also doesn't help because yeah. that outbreak was also pretty bad. Yeah, that, that outbreak was pretty bad too. So, um, so, yeah, I was thinking just, like, yeah, bring back taxi squads. I know that they weren't necessarily ideal because, if I remember correctly, those players who were on the taxi squad, they just didn't, like, play hockey all that often. So you would, like, as a just from a team perspective, you want your even your taxi squad players to play at least a little bit. Uh, so it's not like you're, you know, it's just like, oh, he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Um so it's not ideal from that standpoint, but I think from this, uh, yeah, just bringing back a taxi squad stuff because it seems like that that will have to be um, um, something that can it it shouldn't go away just yet. Um, maybe we we kind of rushed into things. And I think that's how we got into this place in the first place is just rushing into everything. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it seems like uh, it's not guaranteed, it's not like official just yet, but it looks like the Olympics are off. And I would assume the All Star game is also called off as well because that's less important than the Olympics. Um, I am wondering what they're going to do with the World Juniors. That's going to happen in a couple of days, even. Um, I wonder if they're going to postpone it. But at the same time, I believe those players are still where they are. So, um, so yeah, maybe they won't. Uh, call that the world juniors off um but yeah i i i don't think it, like as much as i would love to have the olympics i um i i think this is a good reason not to do it i know that the um ioc um will probably get mad at them again but um but yeah i, I like if i was an nhl player right now <laughs> i know crazy um and I, I was even close to making the Olympics, I probably would opt out. I, I don't think it would be safe there because you also have to... We talked about this last week with Robin Leonard. Um, if you do contract COVID, you're stuck in China for at least three weeks 
and then you're at that point you're harming your team at that standpoint as well so that that was something that like even without all this this outbreak um was a concern for a lot of players or i assume uh some players as well so and also it's like let's say Connor mcdavid and Sidney crosby um opt out uh because they just can't take this covid outbreak it's like you know as much as i want to be canada it's not going to it's not going to mean as much because it's like well because then you Canadians will always say it's like well McDavid and Crosby weren't playing and and things like that so um so it does take a little bit out of it if if there were like players who opt out of it um particularly Canada because they're like that's part of the fun it's like seeing who can beat the uh, the big dogs of Can Team Canada um so I think there was that aspect of it I do wonder if we'll see the World Cup again though uh, where like maybe in the sometime in the summer where we'll see player like they'll just have a bubble tournament in like Toronto or um, yeah even somewhere in America right now like Minnesota or something um, that just had like they just do the World Cup again um, just to appease those NHL players and appease the fans uh, but like have it be like a bubble tournament and things like that. Um, and, and also in that way, we could get uh, Jack Eichel back, uh, which would be um, which, which would be better too anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think um, I think that will probably be the route that they go, although it's not official yet just yet. See, there could be there, there could be a world in which the NHL players do go to the Olympics. And that is if the Olympics get pushed to 2023. Because yeah. I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not even convinced the Olympics can go ahead. Yeah, and the IOC to. is making a very risky play if they go forward with this. I, I, I honestly, if I'm an athlete, I wouldn't feel comfortable going to China under these conditions and not yeah. knowing what the Omicron variant is going to look like in January or February. It's looking bad now. We're not even into the dead of winter yet. Yep. Like we were in like March or April. Thankfully, we were getting out of winter, so it wasn't that bad. The start of the fourth wave wasn't that bad. But we haven't even really gotten to the heat of winter yet, and it's not looking good. So who knows how bad things could look like in January or February. The IOC might not have a choice, and they might have to say, we'd love to put these games on for you, but we're going to shelve this for a year and come back to it. So. Yeah. There, well, there could be a world, if things get better in 2023 in the Olympics, get pushed to then, maybe the NHL and the IOC and and and, and everyone uh, get together and uh, they're able to, to figure out um, another plan. But yeah. for, for 2022, it's, it, it's just not going to happen. I also uh, want to bring up the uh, stadium series. Um, there, there's the Winter Classic, of course, between I think it's Minnesota and St. Louis. And there's also a couple of stadium series games. There's Tampa Bay and Nashville. Uh, there's Toronto Buffalo. Um, depending on how things proceed, maybe those are just regular indoor games and not the outdoor spectacles they were intended to be. Yeah, no, that, that is a good point about put like the Olympics may not even happen. Um, so, so yeah, I guess that is something to consider for sure. Um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
yeah, I, I guess that that might be the way to go because that's what happened with the Summer Olympics this this mm-hmm. past the past two years. Um, so yeah, maybe they just push it back to next year um, and make it simpler uh, for them. Um, <laughs> the other. I don't know if you have anything else that uh, is mentioned because now it's just a free-for-all, I guess. But <laughs> I do want to mention, uh, because I'm a Bruins fan, obviously, um, and they, they're they the team that's affected by this, uh, or one of the teams that's affected by this, um, they also have played the fewest amount of games um, in the NHL. So they, they've played mm. 26 games. I guess the only one that's closest is the, oh, they're the second fewest. The Islanders have played 25 games. But that means that they have 56 games left to play next year, um, which I would, <laughs> I believe that means that they'll, pl- if they, even if they play it all out, uh, that means that they have, like, let's say it's from April, uh, I think that's like, they play, uh, they'll play like, uh, I'm trying to do math in my head. I think it's like they, they will play every other day. Um, so base, basically a Canucks COVID schedule. Yeah, basically. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's going to be crazy because they're going to be playing every other day. Um, yeah, it's not looking great from that perspective for the Bruins. So that, the, that's the what, other, if the, the, if other the Bruins thing, don't I make the playoffs, the NHL that's should I'm experiment, doing. though, uh, just quick, is yeah. if they postpone the season for long enough, shorten the season. Yep. I know Bettman wants a normal season, but you don't want to drag into the playoffs too much. You want to end the season at a certain time. And yep. you also want to avoid these COVID schedules like uh, what Vancouver had to deal with. That's just inhumane and not fair. Yeah, no, that's a good point too, I guess. But I don't know if that's going to happen too because because like you were mentioning, Vancouver ended up having to play those games that didn't end up mattering. Um, so... Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe they um, they do a similar thing, but yeah, or they do what they did um, uh, two seasons ago, where uh, they just like make every team reach a certain amount, and then uh, have um, and then just do do the playoffs from that point, um, or have like si- uh, sixteen teams from each conference make the playoffs, or just expand the playoffs like they did before. Um, but yeah, it could get pretty insane if if that is the case. Um, okay, so so yeah, I guess it's a it's a short episode, but it's a vital episode. Um, yeah, do you have anything else to, to mention? Um, I I will say from from a selfish standpoint, it sucks for the Ottawa Senators because just as um, it looks like uh, the season is about to be put on pause, the Sens were playing good hockey again. Yep. Um, they had won five of their past six uh, before dropping their last two, but their last two have been one goal differences. Uh, they fell behind 2 nothing against Philadelphia, battled back, forced overtime, and uh, got the point. The game before that, they went up against Vasilevsky in the Tampa Bay Crisis time, managed to get a goal past him, and they only lost 2-1, to one, and they were in, the, and they were in uh, that game for most of it. So... It, it, it sucks, obviously, for Ottawa that uh, they'll probably have to start over again, and um, their progress, whatever progress that they could have gained, uh, could be compromised. But yeah. um, that that's that's the one selfish thing for for me as a Sens fan is that the Sens were 
just finding their stride again, and then this happened. Yeah, okay, so I did the math here. Uh, 56 divided by 4, uh, which is by the end of April, uh, <laughs> that's 14. Um, 56 is how many games left the Bruins have. So that, that's, like, pretty much half of a month. And April, like, they are, they play, like, the first week of April. So it's, it's, it's going to be nuts if they do uh, take a big pause. But, of course, it's for good reasons. Um, yeah. But it's going to be insane from that standpoint. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, so if this isn't a reason to get vaccinated, please get vaccinated or get the booster shot. Um, yeah, we're, we're pro-vax on this podcast. Um, yeah, because this, uh, it's a very serious thing and, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, one of the, one of, if not the worst things that's going to happen in our lifetime. So, um, it's one of those things where personally, like, I don't know if this vaccine is going to 100% protect me against COVID-19, but I trust it a lot more than what this variant could potentially do to my body yep. if it if it gets into it. Yep. And I'm not taking that chance. Exactly. And I'm not, especially when it can be easily spread to anyone, I'm not putting others at risk as well. Yep. So yep. That's why I got it. All right. Uh, so that about does it here. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you can follow us on Lace Em Up or Lace Up Podcast on Twitter. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, you can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts at Lace Them Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 300 of the Lace Them Up Podcast. 300. That's, we'll have to celebrate somehow. Um, yes, but, we will. All right. <laughs>